Shalom, my friends. Jim Martin coming to you from a rainy, uh, stormy southern Texas. Uh, we're very happy to have the rain. been dry. Just as certainly as the people of God, I believe, are dry and needing the soaking rain of God's Word to come upon us and to refresh us and invigorate us and sustain us. I'm so happy to share with you a message I first shared apparently back in 2006. Can you believe that's 15 years ago? A sermon series called Preparing for the Future. Troublesome times are here, my friends. We know that. Uh, You may be tired of hearing that. You may say, well, why all the naysayers? Well, we're not saying nay. We're saying, hey, wake up. Take a look at what's going on around us, in our nation, in our world, in our communities, regardless of what community and what country, what section of the world you live in. Times are hard. And you say, will it ever end? That's why even 15 years ago, felt like the Holy Spirit was urging me to urge our people to prepare for the coming days. And if that was true 15 years ago, and if it was true 1950 years ago when the Apostle Paul wrote his letters, then how much more true, my friends, must it be today that we must prepare for what's coming? telling us to all become preppers, as the, as the term is here in the U.S., and start buying ammunition and digging holes in the ground. I'm not saying that at all. If that's where you feel like God's leading you, then I'm not going to say don't do that. But that's not the kind of preparation that's going to truly get you ready for what's coming. Because we are not going to, and indeed we are not currently involved in a war of earthly means. We are involved in a spiritual war. And so we must conduct ourselves and engage the enemy by spiritual means. Will you pray with me? Father God, I thank you that you've given us this facility and the ability and the wherewithal to study your holy word. And we know, Lord, that there are places on earth today in in the year 2021 where it is unlawful to possess a copy of your word. Lord God, forgive us for being so complacent and taking for granted the freedom that we have and the resources we have in your holy word. We're going to be talking about that during this study. Now, Lord, uh, we lay before you our plans and our intentions, and we give you complete freedom to change those plans, to change our intentions, and to lead us in the path that we should go. These things we ask with thanksgiving, reverence, humility, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. My friends, we are studying today, beginning in chapter 3 of the Apostle Paul's letter to his disciple Timothy. Theologians and scholars believe that this may very well have been Paul's last writing, his last uh, written communication that we have in the Holy Scripture. 
It's Second Timothy, as we have it organized in our modern Bibles. And we're going to look at chapter 3. And uh, the, the title in my uh, edition of the Bible, the, the heading is Godlessness in the Last Days. Uh, we, do, we should not expect for people to, on a wholesale basis, turn back for, to God in the last days. In fact, the Scripture tells us quite the opposite, that in the last days, troublesome times will come. People will turn away from God. Their only hope and their only uh, hope of salvation, their only resource, their only strength, they'll turn away from Him uh, to their own way. So reach and get your copy of Scripture in whatever language, in whatever translation makes most sense to you. I will be reading from the New American Standard English translation of the Bible. As I said, you get what, whatever translation and whatever edition makes sense to you, to your heart, what speaks to your heart. Go ahead and read the entire chapter, but don't get your hopes up. We won't be able to study the entire chapter today. I've got timers running. I'm not going to keep you long. Much like the Hollywood actress said to her most recent husband, uh, don't worry, dear, I won't keep you long. Okay, here we go. Second Timothy, have you got your scripture, got your Bible in hand? Okay, you, are you open to Second Timothy chapter 3? Let's go. Verse 1, but realize this, Paul writes to Timothy, the pastor of the church at Ephesus, a thriving church that was uh, either already battling enemies or it soon will be. But realize this, Timothy, that in the last days, difficult times will come. Master of understatement there. For men will be lovers of self. See if you recognize anything about our culture in this sordid list, uh, starting in ver verse 2 and going through verse 5. For men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents. How about that one? Ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips, without self-control, brutal, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding to a form of godliness, although they have denied its power, avoid such men as these. Let's press on. I want to stop there and preach on that, but no, let's, let's press on. Verse 6 of 2 Timothy 3. Among them were the, are those who enter into households and captivate weak women, weighed down with sins, led on by various impulses, always learning, and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. And this is a kind of a sidebar here that we may get to and may not. Verse 8, Just as Jonas and Yambres opposed Moses, so these men 
or sneak into our houses. Also, oppose the truth. Men of depraved mind rejected in regard to the faith. But they will not make further progress, for their folly will be obvious to all, just as Giannis and Yambre's folly was also. Now you followed my teaching, con- conduct, purpose, faith, patience, love, perseverance, persecutions, suffering such as happened to me at Antioch, Iconium, and at Lystra, what persecutions I endured. And out of all of them, the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Are you listening? Let me read that verse once again. Indeed, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. But evil men and impostors will proceed from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. You, however, beloved disciple, you continue in the things you have learned and become convinced of, knowing from whom you have learned them. And that from childhood you have known the sacred writings which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. So that the man or the woman, the boy or the girl of God that belongs to God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. Now may God add his blessing to the reading of his holy word. My friends, it's no wonder that I developed a sermon series by God's grace in this and just 15 years ago uh, because When we read this passage of Scripture, we see so much that pertains to life in our world today. Do we not? hope that you got a copy of the the Scripture notes, the study notes. I put a link on my Facebook page, James Robert Martin. Uh, You that are listening by podcast, you can go to that Facebook page if you wish. I've also... Put that link into the show notes of the podcast, so avail yourself of those notes that I've provided for you there. So, preparing for the future. How do we get ready for what's coming? Do we know what's coming? Well, we don't know specifics, but we certainly have been told and warned well in advance of what is coming to us. We know that troublesome times are here. And troublesome times will continue until we are rescued, as Paul mentioned he was, from this world by the return of Christ or by him taking us home. We have to be ready, my friends. So we ask ourselves the question, when will it all end? Well, we're not sure. People are always wanting wanting to know when. Uh, They were asking Jesus that back in his day. 
in 30 AD or so. Lord, is it at this time that you're going to rescue Israel and set up your kingdom? And he said, it's not for you to know the times or the epochs in which these things will happen. And he knows us so well. And he knows that if we knew a time, then we would put things off and mess around until that very moment when we thought, well, I better get ready now and then it'll be too late. So he will not tell us when. And if you have people out there that you're uh, looking uh, into their teaching and into their their words, and they're saying, well, I guarantee you it's going to happen on, on July 15th of 2021 or 2022. Don't believe that. Uh, don't, don't pay any attention to that. Uh, it might, but it probably won't because he said at the time when you're least expecting it, the end will come. And so if, if we have it sitting before us that on this date the end will come, I can guarantee you that's not when it's going to happen. It may happen before then, it may happen after then, but it won't happen then, okay? We don't know when it's going to happen, but we feel it could very well be soon. So many of my brothers and sisters who are ardent students of God's Word are saying we must be in the last days. Now, how long will that period last? Will it be one day, ten days, a thousand days, a thousand years? We don't know. That's not for us to worry about. What upon us is to live godly lives so that those who do not know God will be drawn to Him. The most convincing arguments against evolution are seen in the very activities of men and women in today. I mean, the degradation of our lives, uh, of our race of people. You, we see all that. Uh, we see that in verses 2 through 7 of Second Timothy 3. We see this sordid list of how people are going to live in these last days and and I might my goodness it, it sounds like a description out of the latest newscast does it not or are you that uh, hold to evolution think we're getting better that we're evolving to a new species and a better species have a look at how this species this creation is acting this created being Mankind, look at how we're acting. Wars, rumors of wars. Oh, the whole earth is in turmoil. And God is is sending us warning after warning about this. But we just, we steadfastly ignore His warnings. So we are without excuse. Uh, In in verse... um, Five, he says, religions in the last days will flourish. We see that all over the world. We see that the the latest generation of young people are very religious people. They're very uh, interested in and chasing after the spirit world. And yet, they reject biblical Christianity and biblical faith. Uh, they reject the church. And they reject men and women of God who are trying to teach them truth. 
And they are after those who, as the Bible says, will tickle their ears, will make them hear what they want to hear. Allow them to do, and indeed encourage them to do what they want to do, which only leads to degradation and ruin. And so we, we see this happening today. So, my, my goodness, let's, let's open up our eyes and see that uh, religious practices will not save you. They will perhaps give you a temporary salve for an open wound, but it's not going to cut out the cancer beneath, which is sin. It's not going to block the virus from the virus of sin from infecting you. Indeed, 100% of the earth's population is infected by this one virus. And I'm not talking about COVID-19. No, I'm talking about the virus of sin. And it propagates. We are born in sin. And the only cure for this virus is for us to fall headlong into Jesus by faith. The admonition that we have uh, from Paul's letter is that we are not to mistake, quote, spirituality for faith. They're not the same thing. There are people who are recusing themselves, I guess is proper, uh, from all activities uh, so that they might meditate and, and might come to a deeper understanding of the unknown. Oh, my friends, how foolish. How very foolish. Don't mistake spirituality for faith. Don't mistake, quote, religion for truth. What is religion? Religion is what you do to make yourself acceptable to God. My friends, do you realize that there's nothing you can do in your flesh and in yourself that will make you acceptable to God? New Testament is full, and so is the Old Testament, with people who did fine religious works and yet were rejected by God. Even Jesus himself said, people will come to me in the last day and say, Lord, Lord, didn't we do mighty works in your names? Didn't we cast out demons in your name? Didn't we do all these things in your name? And he says, get away from me. Get out of my face. I never knew you. These are the religious people of that day and of this day. Get out of my face, Jesus says. I never knew you. He, he says, avoid such men as these. And of course, that makes me want to go back to Psalm 1, doesn't it? You that know me know that I love Psalm 1. He says, Blessed is the man that does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stand in the way of sinners, nor sit in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. So that's Paul is saying the same thing. Avoid such men. That doesn't mean that we should be unbelieving friends. That's not what that means. It means that we shouldn't hang with them, take our counsel with them, be known by them. No, God should be known by us to them. Uh, yes, we have to be acquaintances with uh, those that are lost. But we most certainly shouldn't be counted among their number. Now Jesus, of course, we know this, 
that that uh, he was accused by the Pharisees and Sadducees of being a friend of prostitutes and uh, innkeepers, of publicans, of tax collectors. Ooh, he says. <laughs> They accused him of that, of being friends with them, but he was friend to them in the fact that he was open to receive them on his basis, on his terms, where they were. And that's the way we should approach our unbelieving friends. My friends, we should approach them and we should have fellowship, as it were, friendship with them, we should have conversations with them, we should have relationships with them, which are based on meeting them where they are and getting them away from there into the kingdom of God, introducing them to our Savior, the only Savior, and the only means that God has provided for His people to be saved. Avoid such men as the he says, the problem is that we cannot completely uh, avoid such people, and that's true. The admonition here is that we must not allow them to enter our homes. We have to guard our families in our homes. Uh, and, and again, uh, we, we look at verses 6 and 7, and this is not an, this is not an accusation or a put-down of of uh, homemakers, of women who stay at home. It's just a warning for their husbands uh, or for their fathers. You you guard these women because I guarantee you there's predators that are coming and coming into our homes by means of television, uh, magazines, books. They're coming into our homes, spoiling us. At any rate, we should we should prepare our wives, our children. We should protect them from the predators out there and prepare them by uh, saturating our families in the Word of God, memorizing Scripture, reading Scripture, singing spiritual songs, watching godly presentations. Guard your internet. Put a filter on it. Guard your television. Put a filter on it or just turn it off and get rid of it. Uh, None of us would suffer uh, anything useful by getting rid of our televisions. Now, the Internet is very useful. I'm on it right now, aren't I? So it's very useful, but uh, we've got to guard ourselves against the predators that are out there. So let's finish this up. Equipping ourselves. We've got to equip ourselves to confront our culture. To confront our culture. You say, can't we all just get along not with not with the enemy. We can't just get along with the enemy. There's no peace treaty with Satan. All right, we've got to be ready to confront our culture with the truth of the gospel. And you have to know the truth, stand in the truth. You've got to read your Bible, understand it, keep studying it until you know it, keep memorizing it, meditating on it. And you've got to you've got to be secure in the person of Christ Jesus Himself. We've got to be ready in the last days and for the last days, and we've got to apply discipline, godly discipline. Okay, that doesn't mean punishment, my friends. That means we've got to apply training for godly living. That's what discipline is. It's training for godly living. 
if you discipline your children and all it does is makes them stop something and uh, eventually resent you, then you're not you're not conducting gen- uh, uh, discipline. You're conducting punishment, and that's that's just wrong. Okay, uh, you're missing the mark on that. We've got to discipline ourselves. We've got to be trained. You and I have to be trained for godly living. This presentation is one way we do that. And I see that my time is, is drawing to an end. I think this is a good place for us to close right now. Next week, we're going to pick it back up and talk about building godly character through the spiritual disciplines. So now, will you pray with me, my friends? Father God, we come to you in Jesus' name, and I thank you once again for the, the freedom that you have given us to come through this medium of the Internet uh, and teach your Holy Word to people that are thousands of miles away or next door. And I pray, Lord, that you would give us the motivation, the desire, and the ability to do your will and to study your Word and to put it to, to effective action in our lives. These things we ask with thanksgiving. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, my friends, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of His Holy Spirit be with us all now and forevermore. Amen. God bless you and keep you. Make His countenance shine upon you and give you His peace. Amen.